Holy and blessed three, glorious trinity, wisdom, love, might, boundless in ocean tide, rolling in fullest pride, through the world far and wide, let there be light. Amen. It's the beginning of the year, out there, yes, and, and also in here. So we begin in the beginning, when God separates the light from the darkness, and it is good. We are at the beginning of Jesus's story, too, in the Gospel of Mark. But Mark doesn't begin with Jesus. There's no cozy, sweet, quiet baby in the barn. Mark begins with John this strange man, preaching in the wilderness. And yet, despite his questionable fashion choices, John was respected and well-known in his time and treated as a prophet. I imagine that he was eccentric, but quite charismatic. We're told that all the country of Judea and all the people of Jerusalem went out to hear him preach. By starting here, Mark's gospel drops us smack into a world that is broken. And John the Baptist thought it was very broken indeed. At the time John was preaching, there were at least 24 different sects of what we might call Judaism today. These had developed out of a sense that the world was not as it should be. In this time, the great temple was where you went to have your sins forgiven, and there were many steps to this ritual, including a kind of symbolic washing that led to a sacred purity. These steps were carefully required by the temple priests. But many felt that the temple leadership had grown corrupt, and without the leadership they trusted to guide them, how to make sure that they were staying inside the bounds of God's expectations. Among the many different religious groups, John offered a particular kind of answer. John preached that repentance, followed by a single great immersion in water, would be a way of making yourself truly ready for God. It was a version of the temple cleansing, but singular and available for anyone. That is, no one in the community was shut out of God's favor through a lack of knowledge of the ritual or access or lineage or profession. In fact, John said that if your job required impure acts, like being a tax collector or a sex worker, you could be baptized with water and have just as much of an opportunity to be in God's grace. So you can understand why John was popular. <laughs> what strikes me though about John what is his sense of urgency. In his thinking, the world could simply not continue any longer with all of the evils that were taking place, with the way that things were going. God must be ready God must be at hand to wipe the slate clean in some dramatic, apocalyptic way. It's not hard to look at our own world today and feel the same. And Jesus, who submitted to baptism by John, also preaches that the world was off kilter. But he doesn't just want us to prepare for the kingdom of heaven coming in apocalyptic glory, but to see it now 
in each other. As he teaches, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and strength. And the second is like it, to love your yourself. Thank you, church. So in the early church, those who wanted to join the community, though, were only allowed to be present for the ministry of the word, this part, but had to leave before the ministry of the table, the mystery of the Eucharist. After a period of penance and prayer during Lent, they were granted full access and had their baptism and first communion and confirmation all at once. Don't worry, Capri, we will keep it to just one thing at a time today. Around here, in the spirit of John the Baptist, we delight in breaking down barriers to entry. You don't have to be ritually pure to get into the door of this place. In fact, you don't have to be pure at all. No one is going to get kicked out after the peace. All are welcome to receive the presence of Jesus at communion. A downside of that inclusion, though, is that sometimes we don't warn people properly that what we celebrate here is a tremendous mystery. Really, what we should say is, welcome in. We're often just as flummoxed as you are. We don't fully understand God's ways. We don't fully understand how to be Christ's light in the world. We don't understand all the ways the Holy Spirit moves. And we don't get that Hollywood ending that Jesus does at his baptism where the sky opens up and God affirms us. So as a Christian community in this place in 2024, we try to balance inclusion and mystery. We preach inclusion and we live the mystery here in the Eucharist, but also through exercising intellectual curiosity, experiencing deep beauty, or acting with holy compassion. Wisdom, love, might that perplexing and persistent trinity. We must remember that we are about seeking, not about knowing. So we recite our baptismal covenant today, not because we understand it all, but because we seek an understanding. It's good for us to admit that, to affirm that our stance is one of curiosity, of hunger for knowing God. And part of that affirmation is that we recommit ourselves today with Capri and her family to do what John the Baptizer called his followers to do, to repent and to seek forgiveness and to obey, as scholar Walter Wink says, God's demand for authenticity and justice. And we do it with an urgency. This New Year's Eve, my neighbors invited our family over for hot chocolate and a few New Year's surprises. All of us have young children, so hot chocolate at 8 p.m. is more of our speed than champagne on New Year's. <laughs> in the winter dark, in the driveway, I carefully supported my two-year-old's hand as she held out a sparkler. Together, we watched, as it caught, as it we watched it catch flame and burn and spit and shoot off stars into the night. And she watched with deep attention and delight. Maybe 
That is what we should offer the newly baptized, rather than a candle. It would honor the first baptizer, a man crackling with energy and promise, bursting with wonder at the light of Christ come among us at last. Amen.